0: Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I'm so happy you're here. I've mentioned before that I'm always taking some kind of class or another. When I first started taking a bunch of courses, it was because I was on a mission to find my purpose. I thought if I was in a space where others knew their purpose, that maybe some of that would rub off on me. Hearing the stories of other women and how they found their paths helped me see that I wasn't so far off from where I wanted to be, and it gave me the confidence to keep following the breadcrumbs. Meeting like-minded people was the best step I could have taken to being able to get where I am today. One of the amazing women I met along the way was Lauren Wesley. We got put into a small study group together from a course we took, and we just really connected and stayed in touch after the class ended. Lauren is a wife and a mom, and she is paving her own path in finding her truth and her purpose. And I'm so happy to introduce you to her. Today's episode is really just a conversation between friends and you get to be a fly on the wall as we talk about everything from motherhood to fear of failure to how clarity comes from action. We really get into it about what it feels like to know you're on the wrong path but at the same time you don't really know what the right path is and how the only way to figure that out is to try something. We also talk about how everything on the internet isn't how it seems and how authenticity and vulnerability go a long way in finding out who we are. We really get into what it looks like to try to be your own boss and run your own company and. I think this is a super important conversation to have. So many of us only see people's journeys, whether they're business related or not, once they are so much further down the road from where we're at, that it can feel like we're doing something wrong or not working hard enough or not focusing on the right things. Being able to see how people start out is something I wish I would have looked at more two years ago. And it's really why I wanted to have Lauren on the show. You get to define what success looks like without comparing yourself to anyone else. And if you do compare yourself to others, do it from a place of where they were when they were starting out. You get to level the playing field. This was a fun one. So without further ado, let's welcome Lauren to the show. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. So I met you in around, I'll say, May or June of 2021, somewhere in there. So we have kept in touch periodically since that time, but I haven't talked to you in a while. So I am excited to catch up with you. But before I do that, I like to have my guest choose either blue or red, and I have a blue book and a red book, and I will choose a random question from whichever book you choose. Uh, Blue. Do you think you will wake up one day and want to start over with an entirely new life path?
1: Oh, it's a great question. I think I have already. <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> interestingly enough, I think you met me right around when that was happening. So
0: mm-hmm. sure
1: if we can dive into it, but I yeah, made but- life changes a little over a year ago and finding myself and where I'm going. So yeah, it's yeah. a little terrifying
0: and exciting at the same time, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Where I would love to start is for you to tell my listeners, what was Lauren like as a child? What was your personality like? And what did you do for fun? Mm,
1: gosh, I was going to say, I wasn't expecting that, but I listened to one of your podcasts last night and I was like, Ooh, that's a good question. Child Lauren. It's hard to remember. I've done some like inner child work and meditations lately. So that helps me go back to go back to her, but I'd say confident and vibrant, curious. I played a lot of sports. Um, I'm seeing a lot of myself in my, I have a four and a half year old daughter and I'm seeing a lot of myself in her. I was also stubborn and hard headed. I knew what I wanted. I was the kind of kid where my mother put me, tried to put me in dresses and it was like hard no. I had seven years where I wouldn't wear stripes. Wouldn't wear stripes, just wouldn't wear them. So yeah, all over the place, but I had a fun joyful childhood with some things that happened in it too, that now I'm looking back and I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting. I wonder if that's why I'm the way I am. I think that's a decent summary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's, it is fun to look back. It's one of the reasons I love to ask the question because a lot of times people don't really make that connection of who they were when they were little before the world told them who to be and who they are today. And where. Either there are similarities or there are vast disconnections in who they used to be and who they are now. So that's one of the reasons I love to ask that. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were little, when you grew up?
1: Yes. My mom and I were just talking about this last week. So the first job, other than like, I think I wanted to be an ice cream scooper. And I think that's just a typical like first job that you see that sounds cool. But the other thing that I wanted to be was a Nordstrom shoe salesperson which i think is so crazy but people have asked me in interviews this question before when i was in corporate world and i think that that to me was like the first job where i saw somebody in a business suit like dressed up coming to work and helping others so that's just kind of a funny one but that's the first thing that i really really wanted to be and i think that represented something else to me when i was a kid because my mom was a flight attendant and my dad didn't really have a job where he dressed up and went into an office. So to me, that was representative of some sort of career path that maybe it really wasn't, but that's what I wanted to be. First job. I,
0: I love that answer. And what did your first job end up being? Lifeguard. Ah, okay. It was first job job, but then I did go
1: into sales, which I think was exactly what that represented to me. Like I went into a totally different type of sales.
0: <laughs> you but, weren't a shoe salesman?
1: <laughs> yes, not a shoe salesman, but you know, I got to dress up and put the outfit on and Ask people questions to help them buy something that they wanted. Right, mm-hmm. that was to help them leave in a happier place. So, I kind of think it was a good. There's some sort of analogy there, or a life um, lesson. Yeah, Nordstrom <laughs> shoe woman. Yeah, man, I probably wanted to be a saleswoman.
0: Yeah, well, I think up until recently, just everything salesman, mailman, garbage man. You know, everything had the word man after it. So, yeah. But so, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. When I met you, you were in corporate and you were contemplating this shift and you're like, eh, doesn't really light me up anymore. But what was your journey going from lifeguard to working in corporate?
1: My parents might not love that I'm saying this, but whatever, it's the truth, right? There was some financial insecurity in my household growing up. So I knew career path-wise that I wanted the opportunity to control my income very quickly. So in college, I knew I wanted to go into sales. And the reason for that was mainly because the people that I could see in my life who were able to massively impact their income were in sales based on the skill set that I had. Like I wasn't going to be a doctor or a scientist or some, some of those things based on the skills that I had and the interests I wanted. So I found my first job in outside sales, like a company where you literally knock on doors to try and get leads. A professor of mine had told me that if you go into sales, the first year will be very hard and you will make a lot less than your peers. But if you learn and find mentors, then in a few years, you can make a lot more than your peers. So I did that. And I worked for the same company for six years out of college, met my husband there. He still works at that company, which is crazy and fun. And then moved on to two other companies after that. When I left, I was working for a very fast growing, well-known tech sales startup based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. It would have been my dream job like six years before when I didn't have kids and didn't have a family and didn't have some other things in my heart that were important to me. Um so that's when I kind of started to think wait this doesn't really feel like where I'm supposed to be anymore which was weird because that's every that's like where I wanted to be for a long long time.
0: I totally resonate with that and first of all I want to say kudos to your professor. I think that so many of us going into any career coaching included think, Oh my gosh, the first year I'm going to make so much money because you're comparing yourself to people who've been in the business five, 10, 20, 30 years, you know, and you think you're going to just right out of the gate, make all this money. So kudos to him, because I think that giving you that reality check is probably something that really helped you in the long run. Mm -hmm. So, So I would love to talk a little bit about as the corporate started to feel not like you wanted to be there anymore because I very distinctly remember that for myself too, where I was sitting in a meeting. I just thought, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to do. I don't care about anything happening in this meeting right now. And all I can think about is all the things I could be doing if I wasn't here, helping other people, being a mom, you know, all of these things. So talk to me a little bit about kind of what that felt like, and then the transition out of that.
1: But I think a lot of people, right, can can resonate with this too. I think the pandemic helped, right? Because before that, I was just so busy that there wasn't any time to really Sit quietly and think about if it's where I wanted to be. Still, I was traveling all the time. I was on planes, and I think it was it was when it was quiet and it was really only the job part left, right? Not the social aspect, not the perks of like going to the spa in Arizona on my one night getaway in between, like after a day of meetings. And I was just like, this doesn't really feel right. And once that I admitted that, the thought could not go away. Like it would just come up after, even if it was a great meeting, right? It was like closing some big deals. And then I would close my laptop and be like, I want to quit. I want to quit. And I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And once I knew, I think there was no no going back. So I started, I did start, I think when we first met, I was running my first business that I was like, I just want to prove to myself that I can take a reality, an idea and make it a reality. And it was like a low investment. I started a a bounce house company, pretty party was pretty white bounce house. And I went all in to kind of prove to myself that I could get some traction if I left. So while I was still working, I built that. And then once I proved to myself that I could kind of have a little success, I felt a lot more comfortable making a move.
0: Yeah. And that's huge because I think everyone who is considering leaving something that they have known for a period of time, they're waiting to feel comfortable. And maybe like in your case, you can get to a point of comfort where you're like, okay, I got this. And maybe you don't. In my situation, it was just like... Overnight, my situation changed. And, you know, so ready or not, here we come, right? Like this is happening. And so you you either allow your mind to get comfortable with it or you don't. So I love that you were in a place of, of feeling some sense of comfort. I also loved following your journey because you are like, the ultimate party planner. Like, I want everyone to go follow you on Instagram because you have the most beautiful feed or grid, whatever people want to call it. And it always makes me wish, gosh, I wish I lived closer so I could go to your parties because they're so amazing. I think what I love most about your Instagram is when you do look at it, it's like, quote unquote, perfect, right? But then your real personality comes through and you keep it real. And I love it. It makes you so relatable and makes me just drawn to you because as a mom and my kids are a little bit older now, but that's not to say that some of the same problems or issues aren't still there. But I love, like, I remember there was this one uh, Instagram story. You were talking about school drop-off and you're like, Drop off. You have to have your kids in school. School starts at nine, and it is eight fifty nine, and I just dropped off my kids. So I love that you keep it real for everybody because I think that we, especially women, have this tendency to look at others and say, "I want what they have," but not look deeper into what that actually means and what that life actually looks like. So if you would talk just a little bit about some of how you got comfortable just showing who you really are, because I think women in particular have a really hard time being who they are out in the public eye. Thank
1: you for that feedback. By the way, I appreciate it. It just makes my heart happy to hear it. I think I saw it I saw it modeled by other people, and I started to realize that the accounts and the women that I followed online who, gave that true peek behind the curtain and the true connection made me feel so seen and known. And there was kind of a little something inside of me that's like, well, why can't I do that too? Right. And what's interesting is a lot of times when I admit something like the, the drop off, that I suck at dropping off. Like, of course, people respond to that a lot. Anytime I post something that's like perfect, nobody cares. Nobody responds. And I don't have a ton of followers. It's just like my friends and people that I've met along the way. But it's interesting that it does build connection. And I just started to notice that when I was a little bit more vulnerable, more connection started. Building. So that was nice. But I will say, I'm in this weird place right now, speaking of being vulnerable, where before I felt very comfortable sharing everything, I kind of got into a place where I did a lot. And then my son started at this new school. We're building a house that's like a mile away. And all of a sudden, I am integrating into this new community and I'm meeting a lot of women that I don't know. And seemingly, as an outsider, I feel like a lot of them know each other already. And I've found myself not being as authentic and trying to like be cooler in person and online. And I'm like, I know that's not where I should go. So I'm that's kind of a tangent, but I think it's a tangent worth just saying vul- vulnerably that and a reminder to myself and anybody else that it's like the real us is what is gonna build connection anyway. And I think connection is what we actually want. So thank you for asking that question, because that kind of gave me the reminder to just not try to make some image online that isn't me as I'm meeting new people in the community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that when you think of who you're attracted to and who you follow and who you want to learn from, it's not the people who are perfect. It's not the people who have all their shit together because you think that's unattainable. You're like, well, that's not my life. I'm not perfect. I don't have everything figured out by keeping it real. And, you know, maybe some of those moms or whoever won't like you, but maybe they will, right? I know they will because I know you and, and you're amazing. So I, yeah, I think that we do that though a lot and we think we have to be somebody else to get other people to like us
1: hmm And then it's not even you. And then it's like, who cares? Right. It's like, they probably won't like the fake anyway. And if they're not your people, they're not your people.
0: hmm And people can smell fake a million miles away. So <laughs> just be who yeah. you are. I love it. Yeah. So thank you for asking
1: that question that made me like say something out loud that I knew in my heart. And now I'm like, okay, that's right. Good.
0: good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So you started the bounce house company and then what happened?
1: I built it. It was super fun. It got to a point. So it was this idea, right? And I was like, this is an attainable idea that I can do while I'm still working. And it got to the point where it was booked every weekend. It was in a good spot. I had one employee. Then my one employee moved away. He was like a friend of a friend. He was the perfect, reliable, great employee. And he moved away. So I was kind of at this place where I was like, okay, I either need to scale Right, to really make to make an income on it. And going back to the very beginning of why I went into sales, like a lot of things that I do, I want to serve joyfully, but I also want income. Right. Like long term, that's a that's a motivator. So I got it to the point where I felt like I needed to either scale it or not. Right. Like either go all in and hire 10 people and get a warehouse and buy several of them or not. And a voice inside was just like, this isn't, which I've known. I knew that's not it. I think I've been trying recently or in the last several years, I've been trying ideas that are not like the real thing that I really want to do because I'm too afraid to do the thing that I really want to do. Right. So I decided to close it down so that I could spend time on other things. It was... A great lesson. Also, I have a white bounce house for sale. If anybody does want to start that business, I've been meaning to like actually share that I'm selling it. It's a really fun, great business. It's beautiful. You meet so many great people, but it's just not the right path for me at this time. Somebody you and I both took a class from says that action creates clarity. And that was 100% right for me there where I found I do want a business, but I don't want that business for the next several years, but it gave me some confidence. That's for sure that's fine.
0: I love that. And I don't know if this was part of your bounce house company or not, if that was strictly just renting out the bounce house, but you have the best, like, DIY projects, you could like be an event planner. If you haven't done that already, you should definitely consider it (laughs) because you make, I was watching when you made these Halloween costumes and you're like literally like the day of making these costumes and they are phenomenal. And I was like, I feel like Lauren needs to just open a business of DIY and like teaching people how to do these things on their own because there is such a demand and a hunger out there for that. So I don't know if you've considered that, if that's been a part of your world, but I think that it's worth considering.
1: Thank you. I think about it. I do. I I like to create and I'm trying to create more. I kind of get out of the habit. And then when I do, I'm, I like to create, and I like to share when I'm creating.
0: So. I'm glad that you do. You give me some really good ideas. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad. So you have a gorgeous husband, beautiful children, the cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. he's, oh my gosh, dash. he's he's adorable. Oh, my gosh. I just want to eat him up every time I see a picture of oh, him. He's
1: crazy. <laughs> he's crazy, but he's cute.
0: But, like I said earlier, like it looks like picture perfect, right? from the outside world. But I know that there are challenges that come with being a wife and a mom and and all of these things. Do you find time for yourself? Like, do you ever like take time away from everybody to allow Lauren to just rest and reset?
1: That's such a good question. I'm trying to intentionally. And I think I am. I think I have been better at that the last several years. When my firstborn was firstborn, I really struggled with juggling all the things, Um, And my sister and I actually both were like, we know if we would, I'm not a morning person, my best ideas come to me late at night, my brain turns on at night, my husband goes to bed at like nine, and I'll be up to like 11 or 12. It's just like the only time that I can get to be alone, right? Right. Um, but my sister and I were like, this year, we know if we would get up and do something for ourselves in the morning, it would be so much better. So she and I have both done better at this this year. And like this morning, I had the time to wake up, do a meditation, write a little bit and pour coffee before my kids woke up. And my days are a thousand percent better when I do that because I'm more productive with the time in the morning. I think a lot of us are right. This isn't unique to me. But I'm just more likely to do something that's really good for me before everybody wakes up rather than after, after I'm more likely to just scroll Instagram. I'm doing better at it. And I guess, oh, I think every woman who does bind that time can know what I'm saying. That it's like, oh, the whole day is so much better. I can take care of everybody so much better. I'm feeling more creative and aligned and excited, but it's hard to remember to do it.
0: Or, mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. And you know, like you were saying, when you very first become a new mom to your first child, your entire world gets turned on its head. And I don't care how many people you talk to, you cannot prepare for that. Like it's just not something that you can talk, talk your way through. You know, your emotions are running crazy, your hormones are crazy, and it's just a whole different experience. And now you're responsible for another human life that you never were before. And like, there's just all these things, right? And so it's normal for new moms to not have that. I would love to see new moms normalize it to give it themselves some time because it can completely shift your day. And just by taking five, 10, 15 minutes, giving yourself a couple minutes to do a meditation to, to journal in a book or read something or listen to something inspiring, just having that first sip of coffee being uninterrupted, like it. Will absolutely shift your day. So I love that you are trying to incorporate that into your world a little bit. And I think it makes such a huge impact on our kids too, for them to see your sense of calm almost when, you know, it's not this like hectic chaos every morning, which is at least for me, I don't know about you, that's how I felt before I kind of started with these morning practices. Every morning was just it felt chaotic and hectic and it wasn't fun for anyone. (laughs) So I don't know if that's kind of the vibe in your house in the mornings.
1: It is when I'm not up first, a hundred percent. And you said something too, that it's better for everybody. I agree with that. And also a lot of times I think about like, well, what would I want grace, my four-year-old, how would I want her day to feel when she's my age? Like, because we're modeling right now. Right. And I think Our kids have a chance to look at us and be like, yes, I want to do it that way or no, I'm going to change it and my life and my family is going to be different. And I try to be, I'm trying to be a lot more intentional and I do not get it right (laughs) every time. My five-year-old even said to me yesterday yesterday. Something about controlling anger, and I'm like, because I admit to, it, I'm like, I'm trying to control my anger when I get like, oh, everybody get out of the house. I am trying to be more intentional about like what's the tone and what's the vibe for the day for all of us, and I hope that my kids can see that and have that in their life too.
0: I love that you tell your kids like I'm trying to control my anger because just like we were talking earlier about kind of pretending to be someone you're not in front of, you know, a new possible friend group. It's the same for your kids. If you don't show them the struggles, they're gonna grow up. And when they become an adult, it's you know, it's gonna be like a door smacked them in the face. They're gonna be like, What is this? Like what? I didn't I didn't know life was like this, you know. And so we're not doing them as parents any favors by showing them that everything is perfect and hunky dory all the time. So I love that you're honest with them and think that there's a way to teach them and use those as teaching moments in that when we are feeling something instead of maybe losing our cool, maybe we can like talk it out or, you know, there's other ways. And I'm not saying talk therapy works for everything all the time. Sometimes you do need to yell like, you know, and like, just get it out. So I think it's really healthy. And I love that you're sharing that with your kids because I think that they're just going to be better for it when they get older. I hope so.
1: I just try to listen to the research. I think it was Big Little Feelings that said that. Like if you have that mom outburst, that it's fair to just be honest after and say, Hey, I shouldn't have yelled. I'm working on controlling when I feel angry like that. And then they yeah, they can kind of see it modeled that emotions are real and they're going to happen, but we can also work on Changing things and be honest. So, ah, the mom life, though, and you just need everybody to get their shoes on and get out the door to be somewhere at a certain time. Before you have kids, it's like, oh, well, that is not hard, you know. But once you're in it, as you know, it's like, holy moly!
0: Yeah, there is something to trying to get, especially little ones, out the door. And I don't—I mean, I say little ones, but even still, mine are 11 and 15. I still can't get them out the door in a reasonable time. Oh. I can't find my shoes now. It's like, I can't find my phone, you know, all the things. And then for a long time, where's my mask? You know, oh, yeah, all the things, you know. So
1: <laughs> well, then I'm like, oh, I still can't even get myself out the door. It's like I blame it on the kids. And then there are times when they're not with me. And I'm still like, oh, this is me. Maybe this is me. Maybe it's shot <laughs> them like late to a meeting that I'm the only one going to. I'm like, oh, well, okay.
0: Yeah. I, I said, when my kids were born, I was like, well, now I just have an excuse to be late. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Amazing. Okay. So what advice would you give moms who are feeling overwhelmed? And really they could have kids that are toddlers all the way up to teenagers. Right. But moms who are feeling like I don't have my shit all together and I'm screwing up my kids and all of these things, like what kinds of things would you tell them?
1: I love this one. And I can't remember who first said this, but I've I read it several years ago and it really helped me at that time of overwhelm, which was as especially if you're a work or any mom, but like if you're holding a lot of things, we you're we're all juggling all of these balls in the air. And if you're juggling a lot, the main thing that's important to do is to know which balls are glass and which balls are plastic. And as long as you can keep those glass ones in the air, you're doing just fine. That's what I would tell the moms with overwhelm because there are those few things that are really important, right? And the rest, the plastic bounces and it comes back. And sometimes that's work. Sometimes that's your own health and exercise that needs to drop for a little bit. Sometimes it's friendships or relationships or even, you know the ebbs and flows of a marriage, right? Like maybe one week, you're not as connected with your spouse, but you're holding that connection with your kids. I think just knowing that that's okay and that the plastic balls bounce back up.
0: I love that analogy so much. I've never heard of it. And I think it makes so much sense because we are human. We cannot possibly do everything well all the time. You just can't. And it's better to concentrate on those few things, those glass balls, That really have an impact on you and the people that you love versus, you know, oh, what's my mom going to think? What's my boss going to think? What's, you know, what's the neighbor going to think? And all this, like none of that matters. So I love that analogy so much. So I know that you also have a goal setting group that you do periodically. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that
1: oh, I could have filled you in on this ahead of time. But Hopefully this is helpful for people to know that we can learn from things. This ended up being a learning lesson for me where I felt like, oh yes, I've always been into goal setting. I kind of went on a whim on Instagram and asked a lot of the community that I interact with if anybody wanted to join and do just like a reset of goals. And like 33 women said yes which was a lot more than I expected. I sort of expected nobody to say yes at all. So then I got really excited and confident and I led these groups and I just felt like I missed the mark. I was so bummed after. I felt like I didn't like deliver on the promise. I didn't really end up, I don't know why, I just felt like it didn't align with what I kind of told everybody that I was going to do or what I thought they expected And I was like, actually, I mean, and this is, this may be my own portrayal. (laughs) I didn't get the feedback, but I was just really bummed afterwards. And then I was talking to a friend who told me sometimes we don't get what we want, but we get what we need. And I think there were some lessons that I learned from that. I think I may still launch it again, but I learned some lessons of like Maybe I need to be more specific about the type of person and the type of goals that are coming in. I sort of assumed everybody was a dreamer like me and had these big audacious goals and fear of failure and not everybody aligned with some of the things that I shared and talked about. So all that to say, I'm just being vulnerable here. It was a learning lesson for me where I'm like, okay, now I need to pivot and try that again. I also think if anybody has an idea, I am very big on like, if you have an idea, do it. Let's make it come to life. Let's try it. If I could go back and do it again, when I first tried the idea, I wouldn't do it with 33 people. I would do it with one or two and get the feedback first and then scale it. So that was a learning lesson for me. And I am grateful for that now. But that day, I just sort of felt embarrassed that I used up people's time and maybe didn't deliver on the promise that I expected to.
0: I love that you shared that. I think it's so important. So again, like we were talking earlier, clarity comes from action. So if you had never done it, you would have never known. Now you've done it. You've tried it. And you mm-hmm. may or may not do it again in the future. But if you do, it will look a whole lot different, you know, yeah. and you'll ask some questions. You know, I've I've been experiencing that myself with different things through this podcast. You know, a, a couple of friends of mine, me and a couple of my friends started a Facebook group and it kind of flopped like we had a interest in the beginning and then nobody really joined after and there was zero engagement except for with us and each other, you know, those that knew, it, knew each other. So, you know, we kind of decided we had a couple of talks about it and we decided to just kind of let it go. It's still sitting out there, but, you know, we don't promote it or anything. It's not to say I'll never do another Facebook group, but it will be different, you know? And so I love that you shared that because I think it is important for all of us to realize that you can't think your way through anything. You have to just do it. And if you have an idea, do it, like do something with it. And if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means maybe that specific way that you did it isn't the right way for the people you're trying to talk to. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned fear of failure. I think that's a huge thing that keeps people stuck. So I would love for you to just talk um, for a minute about how that plays out in your life. And if like, even through this goal setting group, like what did you learn from that in terms of being a quote unquote failure?
1: So fear of failure is something I've been overcoming. I think a lot of the ideas that I have are very public Facing, right? Like the things that I want to do. I had a stint where I wanted to be a blogger and I admitted that out loud. The bounce house I didn't close down. And some people may see that as a failure. But the thing that helps me in those scenarios to go for it anyway and accept the failure, because I do believe that all of those little failures are breadcrumbs to where I'm going. And hopefully in like five years we'll listen back to this podcast and I'll be doing something and I'll be like oh my gosh you were in this in between and you were in these little failures but each one taught you and nudged you to where you were meant to be like I do believe that and if we don't put ourselves out there to actually fail then we can't get there right then you just wonder then I'd be sitting here right now wondering like should I have started a goal-setting group maybe I sh- maybe I'd have this giant business helping women all over the world to achieve their goals if I would just go for it. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's not it. But if I didn't try it, I wouldn't know. So, anyway, what resonates with me a lot is that somebody said once, most of us aren't afraid of failing. Like, I'm okay with failing. Even my ego's kind of okay with it, but we're really afraid of them seeing us fail, which is right for me. Like, it is. And I think we have to think about like, there are random people in my life that. I know, follow me on Instagram and I'm like, well, what's she going to think of me? But she isn't going to be at the end of my life, looking back, wondering if I could have done something impactful and if the ideas would have worked, if I just would have given them a shot, that's what helps me to overcome it. And even now, like feel okay with that failure. I still like my ego still looks back and I'm like, oh, some of those women probably think I am a total failure now, but I think it's what I needed. To move forward to the next
0: step. Exactly. And I think that we spend so much time worried about what other people are thinking about us that that energy could be used in so many more beneficial ways. And those people aren't thinking about us as much as we think they are. So, so who cares what they think? Who cares, right? So it, it's yeah. not going to have an impact. And they're probably not thinking about you. So they're probably
1: thinking about themselves too. And how are right. thinking about them? <laughs>
0: nobody's yep. thinking about anybody but themselves. Everyone's that. thinking about themselves and how yeah. they're coming across and what they should do. And yeah, they're too busy with themselves. Important to remember. So I would love for you to tell my listeners, where can they find you on Instagram? Because I need them all to go follow you because I love, love, love your content so much. Thank you. It's Lauren
1: V. Wesley, V and Valerie. That's my grandmother's name.
0: All right. So before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions so that my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. I just want you to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, let's do it. All right. First one, what is your favorite birthday or holiday memory? Holiday
1: memories, Christmas Eve. When I was like high school age, we always went to my best friend's house. We had this like family of friends and family and There was a good chunk of years where that tradition held very strong. And now that a lot of us, some of us have moved away and we have kids, we don't do that anymore with that group. I miss that, I guess. I miss those Christmas Eve with family, friends, family.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, I don't think I usually spend... The holidays with friends because they're so busy with family, but I have done some and they're just so fun, especially to see other people's traditions and create your own new memories and traditions is fun too. Speaking of fun, what is something you do for fun? I have been doing
1: watercolor with my kids recently, which is, it's one of those where I was like, oh, I'm always setting up activities for the kids, but not taking a moment to actually enjoy myself. And I was like, this is an activity that I remember liking. So we've been putting on music and sitting around the table and painting together. And it really brings me joy and happiness. And they enjoy it too. And it's cool to be able to do that together. Because I think there's a lot in this busy world of like driving children to activities or sending them outside to play while I talk to the neighbors. And it's a really it's a nice moment to just sit down and create together with them.
0: Mm -hmm. I've seen your watercolors. They're beautiful. I was like, you should also sell those, but again, like on your own right? Like you're just so creative and artistic and I, I love it all. I'm obsessed, but I think it's a great reminder for moms because We are always so intent on keeping our kids busy and happy and healthy, and you know, as we should. But when we do create something for them to like have this time where they get to make something or create something, how often do you sit down and do it with them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I enjoy it. And like, admittedly, I do not enjoy playing with my kids, like little kids. Like, I don't enjoy doing Barbies or playing with the Hot Wheels, which they want me to do. But this I truly enjoy,
0: and we can do together for fun, which is cool. Thank so. you for saying that because I I loved Barbies as a kid. As an adult, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't love this. <laughs>
1: I wish I love seeing her find joy in it. But if she wants me to like hold one and be the voice, I'm like, I loathe
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I I relate. My kids are out of the Barbie stage now, but, but I do remember them always My, Do you want to play Barbies? And I was like, "Mm, can we do something else?
1: (laughs) Do you want to bake? Do you want to paint?
0: Something, something. Okay. What does the world
1: need more of? Inspired women leading. Yes. 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 Three um, three words. I heard um, Sarah Blakely said it actually on like that show with Reese Witherspoon, which I only watched a few episodes of. Sarah Blakely is the founder of Sphinx. If anybody doesn't know her or follow her on social media, oh my gosh, she is such a joy and an inspiration. But I remember hearing her say that she thinks like the tide of the world is going to change. And we've had like this masculine energy at the forefront for so long. And she thinks that it's shifting. And I agree. Me I too.
0: Think- It's going to, it's going to take a minute, you know, but, but I do, there's something you can just feel the energy just kind of shifting just a little. And, you know, by the time our daughters are our age, I can't wait to see what's happening. Gives me chills. All right. What are you learning more about right now?
1: I am learning right now that maybe my, that our paths are not always how we see them. So I've had all these business ideas lately. And then recently my old boss, who I loved at that corporate job, like smartest person, really, really, really just liked his energy, learned a ton from him, but the company was not right. He left the company and started another company. And now I'm working for him part-time on the side. And part of me is like, well, maybe this is where like, maybe this is where I was supposed to end up. Maybe that's where I make an impact. So I guess right now I'm in this learning in between season of action creates clarity. And I think I'm getting really close
0: to why I love that job. Yeah. And and being open to the possibility, Mm -hmm. to all possibilities, right? Like it doesn't have to necessarily look how you think it should or would. You know, I think we all do that. So I love that. Yeah. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? That's a good question.
1: Keep going, follow your gut. I feel like there are all these little twists and turns in life that help us to end up where we're meant to be.
0: And I think that's what I would say. And maybe along with that, like not putting so much stock into what other people think you should be doing. Like, just like you said, trust your gut. Like there is an inner knowing that we all have, whether you choose to listen to it or not. And so allowing yourself to take a minute and listen and yeah, keep going in a direction that feels good. Like you're going to know when you're uh, off the path and like things aren't feeling good for you. So I love that. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being here. It was so fun to catch up with you. I just adore you so much, and I'm so glad that you joined me today, and I can't wait for my listeners to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Thank you. I adore you right back. This was so fun, so thank you for having me.
0: This episode was such a beautiful example of what I mean when I say that I love to have deeper conversations. Talking about the weather is fine, and to an extent, we have to have topics that are just surface level that anyone can be a part of. But it genuinely makes my heart so happy to be able to just chat with someone about the shit that is actually on people's minds. The stuff that is going to help us grow into the people that we want to be. That just lights me up. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and it sparked some ideas of things that you can talk to your own people about. And if you don't have your people yet, send me an email or a DM and I'm happy to chat. Starting your own business is no joke, and I hope this gave you some insight as to what it really means to go on this journey, or any journey, really. So many people don't talk about their humble beginnings, but in my opinion, that's the most important part. Links to connect with Lauren are in today's show notes. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review. We need people to have more conversations that matter. And by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. Hey, I know anxiety can be a real pain in the ass. That's why I've taken 20 of my favorite tried and true tricks to tame anxiety, and I put them in a free PDF for you. Whether anxiety rears its ugly head once in a while or it's something you deal with chronically, I've got you covered. You'll be empowered to find out what techniques work best for you and start taking control of your anxiety instead of it controlling you. If you're ready to start feeling better, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio and I'll send it right over.